Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Matchball Podcast for the Leeds 1 Brentford nil game. I'm Dan Moylan. This is Michael Normanton. Hello. And on the other side of the desk is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. It's on, lads, isn't it? It's on. This is it. It's our season. Buck the bus. Buck the trophy. Forget you, Pontus Janssen. This is it. Eddie's in town. It is happening. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, it wasn't about Pontus in there, was it? He, he was as quiet as I've ever seen Pontus Janssen at a game. It is hard to separate uh, Eddie and Ketch's goal from uh, Helder Costa megging Janssen for the assist as well. It went through his legs, which is great. And uh, right at the end as well, there was a lovely moment when uh, Janssen was trying to just shepherd the ball out for a goal kick and Enketia went and got the ball off him and won a corner off him and everybody cheered and Janssen had to walk away with, I think, a am going to call it a fake smile. Well, before we get into the game and all the histrionics, let's deal with Janssen because he got booed a little bit. Or is it just pantomime booing? It's hard to boo a defender because all they do is head it clear and you're like, but, oh, the ball's gone. I didn't, I wasn't missed the first few minutes of the game because I was taking magazines back to a car. But was there anything kind of at the start? I didn't really notice anything during the, the game. The first thing that has to be dealt with is Brentford coming in through a different entrance just so, to avoid the welcoming committee for Janssen. So normally the players pull up to the entrance right by the changing rooms and go in. And I don't know if it was who took the decision about whether there was a lot of people there. But the uh, as I was coming in, the Brentford players were walking across the front of the West Stand from the the northwest corner tunnel. So they, they pulled up short and let them off there. And it was all, it was all because of they had Janssen with them. But whether it was Brentford saying, we'll get off here, or whether it was Leeds saying, you have to do it there. I think what we should do is just put that down to cowardice, regardless of what the truth is. It was, yes. Okay, so there was that. And then... Uh, when the two teams lined up, right, the teams came out. Um, so in what order did this happen? Yeah. Um, there were, I wrote down who got a hug off Janssen. You know, everybody who does the handshake, Calvin, Pablo, Stuart Dallas, because he was straight after Pablo. And I think he was like, oh, I just hugged him. So I have to hug you. Alioski started then, kissing him with tongues. Pretty much. <laughs> there was a big snog off with Alioski. And then those were the ones who got the special ones. And then uh, Janssen came over to the dugout because he'd forgotten, in air quotes, forgotten to uh, put the, the tie-ups in his socks. So he had to come over to the, right over to the fans did he have the to West get, Stand. Did he have to get his Leeds United sock tags, Moscow? Basically, yeah. Um, which did seem a little bit, you don't actually have any business over by the dugouts, but I'm just going to come over to this stand. After that, once the game started, there were a few, I think people took pleasure in him making mistakes. It was always like, ah, if he missed one. Um 
but he didn't. He wasn't really involved enough to be uh, to be boo worthy. Right at the end, um, after full time, the South Stand did start goading him into. You know when he used to do his air punch, and the the fans would go, "Oh." <laughs> All of the South Stand was doing that and he uh, mixed with chants of Eddie, Eddie, Eddie um, and he just had to put up with it until he walked off down the tunnel. He was he was calm, mature throughout, but almost... Uh, the, the other incident was when Kiko Kassia caught the ball sort of right on top of his head and... Uh, there was when he almost, spilled it and that free uh, kick was given. Yeah. Um, and then there was lots of kind of like, oh, but hey, I, we can't be mad at each other. We're friends here. Whereas there was probably uh, some some desire to knock each other's blocks off. I felt a degree of sympathy for him on that one where Nketiah got on the other side and won a corner. I felt it was a, it felt a little bit crass. <laughs> everyone cheering, everyone sort of goading him on it. I thought, oh, you know, he's had enough. Come on. He's already, he's already had to come here with Brentford. We're, we, let's be honest, he might have said it, but he didn't want to join Brentford. He looks over to the sad little pocket of 300 away fans or whatever, knocking around the West Stand Upper. They probably look quite busy because they had a load of Leeds fans in front of them. And just leave him. He's had enough. Come on. Nah. There's no need to rub his nose in it too much. There's every need. It's football. <laughs> That's it's exactly, exactly what it's about. And yeah, I had a degree of sympathy for him, particularly early on, because you thought, he doesn't want to be there in their shirt, does he? No, he's he's come out of a full Ellen Road. He wants to be playing for us. And do you know what? I would have liked him to have been playing for us. And if his, uh, if his struggles in the past where he said towards the ends of seasons at Leeds under the... The Heckingbottom years in particular was because there was nothing to play for because they were out of playoff contention and he got bored and started lose, uh, losing interest visibly, which we all saw. I don't know how he's going to last past Christmas with Brentford. Oh, will we finish 13th or 14th? <laughs> Pontus, what do you think? <laughs> but yeah, to the game then, we've sort of dealt with Pontus and we don't want to just make this about him. First 15 minutes, we were kind of just finding our shape again. And I've actually revised my opinion on this. And I was pleased that the crowd didn't get on the players' backs because nothing was sort of happening in that first 15 minutes. It was just a pass it across, pass it to the other side, figure it out. And they just sort of found their shape until Brentford like hit the post on 22 minutes. Not a right lot happened. Yeah, it was, it was a good job that didn't go in because we'd been pretty bad up to that point. I checked uh, the first 15 minutes. I started looking at a stats app because there wasn't much in, to look at in the game. Uh, and we were going for 67% possession and 26% territory. Um, and we'd made two out of our 12 attempted passes in the attacking third had worked. So we were, we were rubbish going forward, basically. Um, it just wasn't clicking. After they hit the post, Bamford had a couple of chances. Then the, the best one was where the keeper came out to meet him. Bamford got there first and he headed it just. Like it looked, it looked like it probably went so about Al- a foot Al- wide. Alioski and Harrison did some nice stuff down the left. To be fair, then yeah, and that, it was it sort of did fall into place a bit after they hit the post. I felt like we had a decent spell. Yeah. There's another cross for Bamford, which he headed over. It was a bit of a tricky chance. That second one when he he did flick it and it just went wide. It got a big cheer because I think a lot of people thought it went in. So it was quite nice that he he got to hear he got the illusion as if he had scored a goal. He got to experience that at Elland Road. I think it was quite telling that both wide players, uh, both Pablo and Harrison on the left, were both fairly quiet in that first half because you saw how high Brentford pressed us and they stopped us playing out from the back. Um, and we, we started once we figured out we were okay to go a little bit longer and start looking for those passes, we seemed a little bit better. But it was quite telling in that first half that the wide players weren't really involved. And I want to give a nod to Bamford, actually, for being industrious, even though he was getting no supply. I thought he was all right. Mm, he'd be better... 
if you wasn't offside so often and if attacks didn't always seem to break down when they got to him it was we're leaping ahead into the second half but there was a there was a about three attacks in quick succession uh broke down when the ball came to Bamford and on the, the on the moment of the third one uh Leeds coaches went Eddie come here um and I thought they were going to take him off because it was getting frustrating that we were building these really good attacking movements and as soon as the ball went to Bamford in in not particularly difficult circumstances he was giving the ball away um, mm. Do you know, I want to I want to defend him a little bit here as well because uh, I kept an eye on him tonight because uh, I, I wanted to be more objective in my opinion because it's easy to beat him with a stick because it's mm. Patrick Bamford and Posh Boy and all that. I thought most of the players, particularly in the first half, didn't pass very well either. I thought that there was a lot of sloppy stuff going on. There was uh, I don't know. It just we never quite got our foot on the ball. Never quite found our passes or our rhythm or our shape. So I don't think he was the only one. I think the game it was a symptom of the whole game. Yeah, uh, pa- Pablo's passing was off all night and so that wouldn't have helped Bamford but there was there were several um I was also keeping a close eye on Bamford and I think there was there was opportunities for him to just control the ball um he does this thing sometimes and he was doing it last season um and it annoys me a bit where he kind of he tries to flick a layoff but he just completely misses the flight of the ball and it just goes to their defender. And it's, he, it's something that he keeps doing that, that yeah, things just grind to halt. But we would, we were struggling in attack generally in the first half in particular. And I think he did then have a period where he was fine when everything was going quite well for these, but it was that moment around the, the 70th minute just before um, Eddie came on where it was, Everything's going great. The problem is it's breaking down when it comes to him and the change uh, had to be made. But fair play that Bielsa left him on and let him drop that little bit deeper. I mean, are we going straight to this? Because it was, um, I suppose it is the story of the game. The substitutions were mad. I couldn't, and what I concluded, and I had to check this with Phil Hay, who was sitting next to me just to make sure that I wasn't going to come straight in here and talk absolute nonsense. But we did end with uh, Bamford and Enketia playing through the middle together, held Acosta on the right wing um, with Berardi behind him and Alioski playing both left back and left wing. We only had one player on the left. He was just, yes. Yeah, so, so it was, it was lopped out. Uh, two up front, which is really unusual for Bielsa. Like you hardly ever see him playing with two central strikers. And one winger, and then on the other side, we just had one player doing two jobs. I thought Bamford seemed to drop quite a bit deeper he once, did. once he dr- Nketiah came on. I thought he was almost playing as a number 10, I yeah. would say. He was, he was, yeah. Not quite as, I think, Just because Phil Hay said it. No, I think after we'd scored... Ooh, I sat next to Phil Hay these days. After we'd scored... I've written a book. After we'd scored, Bamford was moving about a lot. And what happened after we scored? And you saw Nketiah um, coming back to defend as well, but... We were definitely, it was when we were in possession, those two on the shoulder of the defenders as a as a front pair and then just one winger, which is exactly how the goal was scored. It was um, the ball uh, Costa released down the right, taking slightly too long to cross it. And you think everything's gone wrong here, but he absolutely, absolutely timed it perfectly. And, and you it know was what? the two of them coming together into the box. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And um, I was going to say, first of all, great ball from Click. 
Yes. He threaded that absolutely perfect. It's that I ball. thought he'd underhit it at first, <laughs> I have to say. But it's that, it's that ball we see so many times, don't we? The player just breaking down, uh, down, down the wing, ball threaded into him. And the great skill in that, and I guess this is why we've bought him, this is why he's so expensive, and this is what we can look forward to this season, the difference, just rolling across the man, just put his body across the man, and that's all he needed to do. Because as soon as he'd done that, the man couldn't touch him, and he was able to play that ball across. And what a great ball it was. Yeah. And he did that. He's good at that in the box. I think we've seen that a few times now where he, uh, we look at him and think too many touches, you're taking too long, but actually he's creating some space for something to happen. And you're right. Once it's in the penalty area, it's what I was uh, crying out for a little bit with Harrison last season, uh, in particular was like get in the box because once you're there, they can't tackle you. They can, they can have a go outside because it doesn't matter if it's a foul. It feels like but, all of our goals this season have been scored from about six yards out. Just little, little tapping into an empty net. But our mate Wayne from the Beaten Generation, uh, he texted me earlier on and he pointed this out. He said, "He said we're going to score that goal all season." And I said, "What the Eddie Tapping?" He was like, "Yeah, it's it's the goal that um, Guardiola has Manchester City scoring week in, week out, and he learned it from Bielsa." I was like, "Okay, I mean, I've got no basis to agree with that, but I like it." It is like, normally Sterling for Man City who does that little running behind everybody and just yeah, three yards out, trickles it in. Or sometimes heads it in just from the back post, but into into like an, an almost completely unguarded net. And we did it a lot last season, but it was generally uh, Dallas or Ailing or uh, somebody coming in. It was going fullback to fullback, whereas I think we've we've changed it this season. Instead of it being, it was the classic goal last season was Pablo Hernandez chipping to the goal line and Luke Ailing popping up there and crossing and Stuart Dallas being on the other side and finishing it. Um, this year. It seems to be it's the wingers who are getting to the byline and uh, and then the crosses to a striker. From watching it on TV, Dan, what did you make of Alioski? Because I cannot grasp what he's doing in the stadium. I can't decide. I can never decide if he's playing really well or he's terrible because he does. He gives the ball away a fair bit. I thought. I think maybe compared to Douglas, he, he makes some odd decisions. But then the amount of running he does and stuff is ridiculous. I put it down tonight. I thought his positioning was good because he seemed to be exactly where we needed him most of the time. But it fell down after that as soon as he was required to play the right ball. But then again, as I was just saying to Moscow then, it's like everybody was doing that. Everybody was misplacing passes. Even like Harrison was doing that, tripping over the ball a bit. It just it, it just never felt like we quite got going and we didn't see the best of really anybody tonight. And I think he was just a number, uh, one of a number of players who, who, who was like that. Credit to Alioski though. Did you see his Gary Kelly style header? towards the yes. end of the first half from about a yard off the floor. Gary Kelly tribute header. I enjoyed that a great deal. That was great. But I know, I know what you mean. He kind of, he just, he never seems to quite pick the right ball. But then there was, there's also a moment where he seemed to run an impossible distance to keep a ball in that he mm. had no right to do. And you think there's probably only him in the squad that would even attempt to get to that. He's, he's just a bizarre human being. And then you go from that to the, uh, the attempted overhead kick clearance <laughs> in, in stoppage time that was just, oh, only he would attempt that and only he would get it that badly wrong. But it's, but it was still, you know, it wasn't terrible. I know it's set up, they nearly scored off it. Crazy. It was fine. Yeah, I didn't think he was great tonight, but you can't fault. And the, when we're talking about, yeah, we, we ended the match with, it was Berardi at right back and Helder Costa at right wing. That's normal. On the other side, it's just, you say, right, Alioski, you're, you, you are left back and left wing because you can do both. Just crack on. It's all. It's like um, I was saying to someone. It's like when you 
you seem to be too competent at work. If you let people realise that you're quite good at your job, they'll give you more responsibility. So they'll say, oh, right, well, if you can get up and down the touchline like that, well, we don't need to play two players on this wing. You can be both. And then you realise that actually you don't need that that much responsibility. That's just a little bit too much. Um, you, so you're really good at, you're better at everybody else at the simple parts of the job. So you end up being given all the hard work that you can't actually do. But... It does give us the option, like, it is great. I am uh, looking at the, the way we ended tonight and just thinking it is, it's so Bielsa to just think, okay, we don't, like, Alioski can just, he can play the entire left wing and we'll have, we'll have, it means we can just do loads over on the other side. And perhaps it's seeing that asymmetric uh, Bielsa thing that he does, you know, overloading on one side. That It's the first time we've seen that because last year we kind of saw it quite a lot where it was it was the same on both sides and we just go from side to side, side to side until such time as it worked. Whereas we seem to be like messing things about this year, like you say, one on one side, but then four of them on the other side, some mad shit like that. Football formations are symmetrical. That's the, and, it, and trying to defend against one that isn't, I suppose is particularly changed to it midway through a game. It does mess things up a bit because you'd be like, well, what, what do we do with our right midfielder then if they've only got one player on the left? Do they just move... Do we just move them to the other side? Do we leave two on that side? You can't trust it, can you? No, exactly. We, we've talked about it before with the uh, Bielsa example with uh, Chile in, in the World Cup. And I think whatever we think about, we can argue about exactly where Bamford was, was playing. There is no doubt that he was not playing left wing at any point, whether he was behind Nketiah or next to him. Um, everything, it was like, right, everything over on that side. And then the left wing is just Alioski's job. And it is, it, it must be confusing. And the fact that it worked, uh, we scored within, what, two or three minutes of Enketia coming on. I don't think uh, Brentford had worked out how to respond yet because they are, in their, their defenders' minds, they're all thinking, well, we, we can't just leave that wing. They don't seem to have a winger there, but Alioski keeps running all the way forward. So you just haven't worked out what you're supposed to do. You catch them off guard, goal. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And as if by magic, we now have Bielsa's post-match comments in about that formation. What's he been saying? Um, well, he's been asked whether Enketia and Bamford can play together. And obviously his analysis of this is deep. Um, <laughs> he does say it depends on the game. It's according to the opponent and what they're doing. We may go with two strikers. Uh, that can have positive and negative impacts. But the key is to read the game and make a decision game by game. Um, but they mix well. One is right-footed and the other left. They can play down the sides. You can play one in front and one in behind. They can make the link and make the movements. So I don't think it was um, random tonight that uh, that they they were two up front. Just I love the fact that I'd not noticed that we had one left footed and one right footed. Um, obviously, however, Bielsa probably even knows their shoe sizes. Um, the other thing that's nice was whether. Uh, um, with Enketia scoring after coming on as a sub, he says, when one striker scores with very few minutes, you cannot say a lot of things about this. <laughs> Which I think means he's happy. What a guy. I love him lots and lots. It's worth saying as well, take a step back from the game and look at what Brentford actually did. I mean, they hit the post in the first half, but other than that, they never threatened. And I don't think they came for a win. And that's another reason why probably Janssen looks a little bit anonymous. They weren't really going for it at all, were they? They just tried to hit us on the break when any chances came and they were few and far between. I thought that was it. They were waiting for us to make a mistake. They were pressing the Watkins, um, Kinder Bueno. What is it? What are the other guy? That's guy's name. Kinder Bueno. Kinder Bueno and Canos with their front three. It looked like Kinder Bueno to me. I couldn't read his shirt properly from the distance. That's fair. Um, but they were they were pressing fairly effectively, for, certainly for the first half. But then in the second half, they seemed to kind of... Well, they got a bit tired, didn't they? Yeah, they seemed to sort of give up on that and let us play out. And we were getting the ball out from the back a lot faster. So they, it was essentially pointless, them closing us down. What they were doing a lot in the first half as well was um, pressing us wide. So they knew that we'd split the centre-backs and then they'd go press one of the full-backs. So the full-back has either got to go down the line mm. um, or all the way back. Um, and they were onto us very, very quickly. But you can't keep up that pace unless you've done a Bielsa pre-season. So. Yeah, they, they do a 3-4-3. So they've already got uh, two very wide players in midfield and then the defenders can go wide behind them. So you're straight away trying to get past two like that without with uh, us attacking them. And yeah, it, so it did. It, it was difficult for us to get it going the first uh, 15, 20 minutes. I thought we were much better than them for the rest of the first half until the last five, ten minutes of the first half were absolutely dire. It was like those, uh, Brentford had, I think, two corners in quick succession and they seemed to take, I say quick succession, it took ages for them to take them. And I was just like, this is, the players are just, everybody from both teams are just kind of, fucking hell, do we have to, do we have to go over there to take this corner? Can't we just come out of like a hockey short corner? (laughs) Nobody seemed bothered. Um, But it was noticeable that the start of the second half, uh, we were really going about them and we never really let that up after that. Even though we weren't really properly firing on all cylinders, we got there in the end. And I think that's the difference maybe that we've seen from last season and why I think game by game as we start doing this and we're picking off these teams and beating these little hoodoos from last season, like, you know, Wigan, we've done these, we've got the opportunity to put Stoke to bed as well at the weekend. 
just confidence builds and maybe that again eases pressure on somebody like Bamford who might then get a little bit more space just to to find his form. I think the difference as well this year is that we've got a 15 million pound really good winger to bring off the bench to just lay on a chance for someone to just tap into the net who also is a well I guess if someone bought him off Arsenal they'd probably pay about 25 million quid for him. And they're both really quick. Yeah. That makes a massive difference as well because I think uh, um, Bamford might have got into that position that Nketiah scored from, but he wasn't going to get there first. Um, and that's the what they both bring. And uh, Nketiah's first touch when he, he had that chance to, to sprint away from the defender, it was like, oh shit, he is really fast. And that's um, the big thing that we never had last season was pace. Even Alioski is strong in his running but he's not he doesn't tend to he can't of, beat a man can he he's no. a sort of 800 meter runner yeah. as opposed to a, a sprinter he'll be a lot faster at the top of Beeston Hill than you will be if you're having a race <laughs> but he'd do the 800 meters then go for a five mile swim then get on the bike he's a triathlete isn't he that boy <laughs> screaming all the way um but we never had a player either in the starting 11 or who, who we could bring on that you think they're they're going to burn past people so the opportunity to tire Brentford out and then bring on two really fast players. And it's no coincidence. I don't think that that's how the goal came. And what you're saying there about them having three at the back has just triggered a thought in my mind. It's like suddenly if you put two players on them, rather than let's say Pontus Janssen marking Patrick Bamford and them having two spare, suddenly you've got a two from three situation and there's going to either going to be a spare man or they can drift between them. And like you say, maybe overload one side to pull one of the three defenders out, something like that. Just you can see now Bielsa's thinking because he knows a load more about football than we do. <laughs> It made it, it was, to use a Bielserism, it probably is why it was convenient for us to play without a left winger at the end because uh, they only had three set and a half and two of them are now occupied with our strikers and then one of them is looking after, or trying to look after Costa. Um, so it's all it's all happening over there and it's man for man. And and yeah, you just, I've read about him doing this. Um, we, we didn't see it as much last season. I'm wondering if it's... Uh, it's almost because he's had the time in the summer to get more done, as well as the players having time to take more in, that we've now got, they, they can understand it more. If, if you can go at them and say, right, the last 20 minutes of this game, the left 20 yards of the pitch just don't exist. Like if the ball goes over there, like we'll obviously go and get it, but just the pitch ends at the just after their six-yard box and we just do everything down the right and we beat them. And we did. And I really like having Marcelo Bielsa because he's ace. And he's making us ice and we're top of the league and it's really good. Uh, I want to know, we should have had a penalty, shouldn't we? Look like it. I mean, I didn't have the benefit of replays on the red button, but... I Yeah, we've seen it on Twitter since. Couldn't really tell him in the ground, but the ball uh, hits a man's arm and the man's arm is away from his body and the ball was going towards the goal. So I think we should have a penalty. You've seen them given, is what you would say. Uh, against um, us. Well, Paul Stewie Dallas got very animated in the aftermath of that and got himself a booking for his troubles. And then it got, uh, it did get quite fired up because straight after that, we didn't get a handball from them in midfield. And then about 30 seconds after that, what was the thing that happened? Um, was it Ollie Watkins diving? Because he did that <laughs> a couple of times. Well, they weren't so much dives, just very weak, very weak legged. I don't know if you had... A bit of the touch of the Grealishes. I don't know if you had a bit of polio as a child or something. Very, very... Very flexible little legs he has. Just, oh, just falls over. It was actually, it was Alioski diving. I think it was... <laughs> they uh, did a few, did Alioski actually. Yeah, there was a foul not given in midfield uh, as Alioski was running through. Um, I don't know if it would be fair to call him a dive, but he did seem to land a long way from where the foul happened and just slide 
with his arm. He carried, he's got a lot, a lot of momentum, though. Well, he was, yeah, he was running quickly. And those three things happened in about 90 seconds, uh, two on balls and a foul. Not given, None of them were given. And uh, it was quite exciting. It was getting things up. Then Bamford had a, not Bamford, uh, Brentford had a, <laughs> a shot just wide. Um, so, yeah, it was a very exciting two minutes um, shortly before. Uh, and then it was after that that... Uh, that the changes came. Yeah, subs were sort of about 77. I've scribbled them down. But um, yeah, do you think there was a foul in the build-up when down the right-hand side before Click picked it up? Didn't notice. No idea. No, we'll take that as a no then. <laughs> yeah. there, there was an appeal for it down there, left-hand side. From Brentford? Yeah, I think uh, Berardi might have tangled with somebody. With, with, as if Berardi would foul anybody. There were three of them around the Brentford the player. The very idea. It went to ground. And anyway, that's when the ball broke to, uh, to Click, who then threaded it through for... Um, Costa. That's the boy. Yep. Could you see on uh, your television screen what was wrong with Stewie Dallas? Uh, no, because I was watching on the red button and I don't have Sky Q, so it was in standard definition. <laughs> and it looked like it was being filmed through the bottom of a pint pot to oh, the okay. game. So like all the edges of the screen were blurred, like cataracts or something like that. So it was, re- it was genuinely very difficult to follow what was going on. It was kind of white blobs against black blobs. Okay, because he was warming up. I noticed before the match he was warming up with a, a coach rather than with the rest of the players, if it was almost like a fitness test. And within uh, five minutes of the game starting, they had Shackleton warming up for him. So I was wondering if it had just been like he was playing I saw less than fully fit. Somebody go down. I think it was, if it's the same guy who made the challenge that I saw just before he went off, I think it was, it was like a lunge. And I think he might have overstretched something, overextended right. something. It looked like that. I don't know. but I To me, it looked, it looked like he was, it was one of those opportunities, you know, as a defender, you can kind of take the ball and also clatter the man a bit. Mm. Dallas, it seemed to do one of those, but mainly injured himself. Okay. So, are we happy? How are we all feeling? Happy? Yeah, good. Top of the league, aren't we? Top of the league. Pontus did not harm us, and our new striker has a has a great new song. I mean, uh, Pontus and his magic hat, bit complicated. I think Eddie, 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 Eddie will uh, will catch on. It's a good, it's simple and it's effective and it works. I did feel we talked about whether we felt bad for um, Pontus Janssen with all the things that befell his night. And despite my criticism earlier of Pat Bamford, which is just like pure commentary on how he was playing. And I think he was offside too often, lack of attention, maybe some bad touches, but I was not as soon as um, uh, the substitute. Well, as soon as it was clear that Eddie was uh, called back, I did not join in with the entire stadium chanting his name um, and being excited that we were going to see the other striker. I did. My heart did sink a little bit for Pat Bamford in that moment. Let's do heroes and villains then, some early candidates from that game. I would certainly like to put Alioski forward as a potential hero for that Gary Kelly tribute header, which uh, it brought back lots of happy memories from my youth. Seems fair. I'd like to go um, Phillips and White again, just for, I just like them both in the team. I like, the, I like what they both bring to our, the sort of calmness within our, our defensive third. Just to disprove as well that I'm not now in Phil Hayes' pocket, he seemed to be unhappy with the way Calvin Phillips played tonight. And I think the fucking idiots bang wrong. I thought Calvin was very, very good tonight. Mm, Lots of good tackles and uh, um, good passing. Some of his longer ones didn't come off, but he was, uh, I thought he was good. He was fine. But again, as I was sort of remarking earlier, he was somebody who didn't really get going. We didn't see the best of him, but he was fine. And, and that's, we've got to remember as well, it's not going to be brilliant every single game. We are going to have to grind them out. Yeah. And today we ground them out without anybody particularly shining, but it was that individual brilliance that just turned the game. I thought Phillips dug in uh, quite well. There was some, there was like 
at least three good meaty tackles that uh, that we needed him to make in the first half, and then um, distribution was decent. Yeah, and it's not a sexy position, isn't the deep line midfielder, is it? So it is when Kelvin plays there with that beautiful smile. Bielsa as well. I'd like to put him in as a potential hero for uh, just for being tactically a wizard. He's, yep, he's he's very good at his job, and uh, I'd like him to stay and do it for longer. Yes. Are we, uh, I mean, Eddie, 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 Eddie also needs, has to be nominated as hero because he scored the winner after two minutes. What was it? Third touch. Seems an instant crowd favourite as well. People, people just seem to like him. But I mean, as they should, because he scored two goals for us now, which I think took Steve Morrison about six months to score two goals. <laughs> so Eddie's done it in the space of what, about 60 minutes or something. Billy Painter's crying at home tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it really bodes well too, because we think about the disasters we had with lone players last season to have him come straight in the team and just look actually good. He's not Lewis Baker or Izzy Brown. So, or Jamal Blackman. He might be some uh, use. That's what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, probably a reflection of how ineffective Brentford generally were and how little ambition they demonstrated that it's hard to pick any villains from that game. Um, Watkins I mean I mean, what, he just annoyed me generally there was one bit in the second half where he, he picked up the ball and he was running I was like I said he's going to go down here and he did he ran past Cooper and just fell straight on the floor because Cooper kind of got in front of him and he was always going to do that we could give the referee for not giving us that handball yeah that's one I'd like possibly as a hero actually I'm not sure which one of the linesmen it was I've got the your, your team sheet in front of me the James Wilson or Stephen Meredith I know exactly a great what this will be in the first half where he, it was clearly had no idea whether it was a corner or a goal kick and they looked at each other, the ref and the linesman just looking at each other for a bit going, do you want to, <laughs> shall I, is it a goal k- corner? And it was, <laughs> it was just a lovely moment. Is that when he changed his mind, the lino? Yeah. He yeah. didn't, he was just, the flag was just sort of waving around, jabbing it at various points on the pitch. I thought he'd got a glare off Alioski, like one of those... Oh, he did, uh, he got right up in his grill. Yeah. One of those wolf boy kind of, uh, I will eat you if you don't give us this penalty. But then um, uh, Phil Hay pointed out that uh, the linesman, he had Alioski snarling in front of him and he had about 15,000 Leeds fans just like right over his shoulder in the northeast corner. And so between those two kind of things, I reckon there was only one decision to make there. It was the rock and the hard place, wasn't it, that one? Um, a villain not from the match but the uh, the traffic on Lowfields Road can fuck off I think mm. that's that traffic was quite in general villainous. can fuck off yeah the, the, uh, and it's the foot traffic underneath the uh, through Chubby's Tunnel on the, the way to <laughs> Lowfields Road so called because Michael uh, Sells is the the magazine selling troll of the motorway bridge and, um, and, and a fat child Yes, that's where the name came from, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. Just to explain it is, for any, any new listeners, it's not, I'm not insulting you. Bestowed upon upon you by yourself. Yeah, it's, I signed up to the Squareball Forum when I was about 14 yeah. with that as a nickname. And then I met you and you were a fine, strong, lithe <laughs> figure of a man. And you've, you, a, you've aged well. And you met me and I wasn't Russian. It was all very consistent. <laughs> and you were the only one as DJ Dan that actually lived up to his uh, his nickname. But... Yeah, the the I don't understand why the uh, the construction of a park and ride means there needs to be less room for the thousands of people walking uh, that way. Just move. Well, some fans were actually taking it upon themselves to to remove the fences to a, a, a to clear some space, whilst also chanting Eddie, 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 and we're Leeds United and we'll do what we want. Um, but then I got through all that and just found uh, I normally meet him on Gelded Road, miles away, but he was just sat in traffic by the Jump Arena where we stayed for a long time. 
So it's not necessarily a bad night then if the worst villain we can find is Leeds City Council. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, I'm very happy with everything that, that went down tonight. Not the not the best performance, but um, but we won. And that's the crucial point or three points. And a very exciting development for the next episode of the match ball, which will be after the Stoke game. What's happening, Moscow? Where are you going to be? I will be at the Stoke game in the press box, Ooh. assuming everything goes to plan. I've not actually had the confirmation through and I need to book the tickets and stuff. But, um, yeah. So we'll be we'll be patching you in, will we? Yeah, I'll be phoning. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll be taking the old um, wind-up telephone. And uh, uh, well, you take a box with a big transmitter on it, don't you? And uh, pour water and try and get a, a signal. We'll be beaming the uh, the signal to the moon and back, I believe. That's Absolutely. How it works. 100% I've correct. I've not fully studied modern broadcast communications, but I think I'll be talking to you from Stoke via the moon. That sounds about right. Hey, listen, thanks for listening to this one. We'll catch you after the Stoke game. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 